Hello and welcome to Front Page Radio with your host, international author, broadcaster, and journalist Dan Wooding, the founder of Assist Ministries and the Assist News Service. Dan, who was born in Nigeria of British missionary parents, was raised in England and later worked for some of Great Britain's largest newspapers. He has been a journalist covering the world for some 47 years now with a focus on persecuted Christians and missions. And now, here's Dan Wooding with today's guest. Welcome to today's program, and I am in a lovely city called Chester, and I'm with an extraordinary gentleman who is the town crier of Chester. His name is David Mitchell. He's just made a really hilarious proclamation to the audience here. Uh, David, thank you so much. What is a town crier? Well, you can find a town crier in the Old Testament, actually. If you dig into Proverbs chapter 1, it says, Wisdom cries aloud in the streets. She raises her voice in the public squares. In the gateways of the city, she cries out. Uh, and s- along those lines, it continues. It's somebody who stands in public places and makes, com- communicates in a loud voice to the people passing by. Now, I used to be a a print journalist many years ago in London, but in a way, I suppose the town criers were the original journalists. Uh, Yes, but only one story journalists, and uh, like a newspaper will will carry a multitude of stories. Town criers would just basically give out one message, because you've got the limitations of of a human voice. (laughs) Now, for those who are not seeing this on television, can you describe the outfit you're wearing? Well, I think the, for people who are not seeing it on television, uh, they mainly need to know, incredibly handsome. <laughs> but beyond, starting from the top then, I'm wearing a, it's an 18th century outfit, I'm wearing a tricorn hat, I'm wearing a, 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 a great coat, and breeches, and buckled shoes. It's a very, very typical uh, outfit of a town crier, we're called livery, as we more correctly call it. Now, we're doing this interview in the square next to one of the historic churches here. But tell us, first of all, about the Christian history of Chester. The, the Christian history of Chester? Yeah. Well, you know, with the, the cathedral and these churches here? Uh, well, our cathedral is, is over 900 years old, so we've got a, a quite a Christian tradition here. I always often wonder, actually, when, when the news went out that the, the people were going to be taxed, which eventually took Joseph to, to Bethlehem, I, w- I would imagine it was proclaimers from the Roman Empire that delivered that message orally. <laughs> but the church itself uh, was originally a Catholic church and then during the time of Henry VIII became a Protestant church. Is that correct? Now that's, that's, that's my understanding, although I must confess... I wasn't quite around in those days. <laughs> I, I only go back 240 years. <laughs> I first heard about Chester Cathedral, David, when my mum received what they call the Monday Thursday purse. And uh, apparently when the Queen on that particular day comes to a cathedral, worthy people are given this little amount of money. And, um, but you, you've never received the Monday Thursday yet. I'm, I've never received it yet, but you always need something to look forward to, don't you? <laughs> now, you had the audience here in absolute... I mean, they, they were just falling apart. It was a wonderful presentation. Give us some of the more humorous things that have happened to you when you've been doing this. 
<laughs> it was quite funny today, wasn't it, when I was, I was asking if any husband whose wife had been spending too much of his money for too long, and that lady said, well, <laughs> I'm with him, but he's not my husband, <laughs> and, he, and he is married. So that, that was a, a very unusual one. Yeah. Somet sometimes uh, wives who get put, put in the stocks, I'll say to the wife, uh, what's your husband's name? And normally they will say Steve or John. But one wife who was not happy about being put in the stocks said, what, what's your husband's name? And she said, dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's an unusual name. Eh? Yes. I think it was more of a prophecy than a name. <laughs> now, you, you joked with uh, particularly Americans here. Do, do, do people get offended sometimes? I, I, I couldn't honestly say never, but it's ex exceedingly rare. I think if people listen to the proclamation, they realise that I'm bantering with everybody. Nobody is being particularly picked on, and I make jokes against myself as well. So I think it's all taken in good part. Well, we have one thing in common, and that's Bob Dylan. And I think you first heard about me through reading an article in a magazine about Bob Dylan's Christian faith. Tell us about that. Well, I was a, a big Bob Dylan fan. And I heard this news about it when Slow Train Coming came out that, it, that he'd converted. And I wanted to find more about it. And I came across this magazine called Buzz. And I remember this name, Dan Wooding, who <laughs> I'd never met and never heard of, but I read something about the story there. Yeah. So that's how I first heard about you. And now I, here I am, many years later, sitting down talking to you. And both looking a little bit different. You're you wearing the town crier outfit and... I'm sitting here in the middle of Chester interviewing you, but Bob Dylan, interestingly enough, went to a school of discipleship at a Calvary Chapel, and it's the Calvary Chapel network that really, or the K-Wave radio network that's running this. Very interesting. What was it about Bob Dylan's conversion that amazed you, really? Uh, well, I suppose it's, it, the thing was, that with Bob, if you're a Bob Dylan fan, when the new album comes out, you have to get it, you have to listen to it. I wasn't initially very welcoming of the new message, but on the other hand, you have to listen, and eventually the, the lyrics started to work on me, and I thought, well, if he's found something in this, and I'm relating to some degree to these lyrics, I need to find out more. So, by a fairly circuitous route, I found myself uh, attending a church in, in Chester, and not seemingly it was quite a confusing time but eventually i came through to faith myself how wonderful how many years ago would that be now oh that would be let's work that out that would be 38 years ago yeah have you ever thought of being an evangelist because you're obviously got uh, this gift of uh, talking to lots of people uh, no, I never have, although some Christians often tell me that what, what I give uh, uh, to the tourist conveys something about welcome um, acceptance that people don't necessarily expect from strangers. Right. Now, according to my son Peter, there was a, a World Town Crier event very close to here. Tell us about that, and did you win it? Uh, well, I definitely didn't win it, and that would have been impossible, because the host crier, as I was the host crier, it's my city, the host crier never takes part in his own competitions, because one of his roles is to appoint the judges, who you appoint from the local community, so the people you know, if you then went on to win the competition, then it would be very suspicious. Besides which, you have enough to do organising the thing. So I was the host crier, and we've hosted the World Town Crier Tournament here in Chester four times in, in the last 18 years. So if you're a town crier from wherever, what, what do you have to do? do? Do you do your regular spiel or what? Well, for a world event, we have three rounds, and there's a theme set for each round. 
And the first round is always a, a proclamation about your hometown, saying how great it is. And then we set two more specific themes, and all the marks from those three rounds are accumulated to emerge with the final world champion. <laughs> can you remember who won the last one? I can remember who won the last one and the one before and the one before that because it was always the same guy. Three, three times on the trot. It was Chris Wyman from Ontario, Canada. Kingston, Ontario, Canada. Wow. So they have town criers in Canada then? They have town criers in Canada. They have some in the USA. They have them in France, Germany, Holland. Uh, they have them in Australia, New Zealand. It's quite a spread of nations. Now, you know, I just so enjoyed your presentation and the way you were able to work the crowd I know you've done it a lot of times now but how did it all get started for you? Well that was, <laughs> I can see the hand of providence behind this because when we're, my wife and I were getting married some And your wife's Julie? I, I believe so, yes <laughs> when, when we got married some 32 years ago I had, we had a historic theme to the wedding being in, held in Chester and I thought it would be great to start the day off with some historical touch and I saw the town crier as was and I thought that's my idea I'll get that town crier to wake my bride on the morning of the wedding <laughs> which he agreed to do and I thought this is such a great idea but then just about a week before the wedding he called me up and said I'm very sorry as it turns out I'm not going to be in Chester that day I'm going to be in Hastings on the south coast for a town crier competition and I can't be in two places at once sorry I, I can't wake your bride for you and I was really disappointed because I thought it was such a great idea. And I gave it some thought and called him back and said, look, this wouldn't be as good, but do you by any chance have a spare outfit that I could hire off you and wake the bride myself? It wouldn't be as good, but at least it will still happen. And he said, yeah, by all means. So on the morning of our wedding, I stood beneath the bride's bedroom window <laughs> shouting, Arise, fair maiden, cast off thy slumbers and clad thyself in fair raiment, etc. <laughs> And it was great fun, but yeah. I thought no more of it. Yeah. Until about three years later, when I was looking for a career change, I was a school teacher at the time, and I read in the newspaper that that town crier had finished. Oh. So I thought, ah, I'll apply for his job, which never would have occurred to me if that hadn't have happened, if he hadn't had to cry off on the morning of our wedding. <laughs> now, the times that she's worked with you, what, what would be her role? Uh, well, she's equally a town crier with me, so yeah. her, she would take as much part in the proclamation as I would. But we generally don't tend to work together, because that would be like having two Father Christmases. You know? <laughs> so what, what happens is that if I'm called out of Chester uh, and something I want to go and do elsewhere, she will stand in and make the midday proclamation here, or vice versa. Okay. Now, one of the things that you do is you give talks about your life as a town crier. Um, Tell us a little bit about them. You're doing one very soon here in Chester, I believe. Is it in the storybook? Storyhouse. Storyhouse, yeah. Well, that's, that's not a talk, really. That's a one-man show. Yeah. So that's a, that's a full, almost two-hour show with, a, with an interval. But I'll, I go and give talks all, all over the UK. In fact, you can set me up here, Dan. You can uh, arrange a, a talk tour, lecture tour for me across the state. So I'll be very <laughs> pleased to do that. If people wanted to, to contact you to invite you, how do they do that? Uh, you can find I've got a website, www.chestertowncriers.com. <laughs> now, tell me a little bit about how you, the, this script evolved that you have here. I mean, you seem to know exactly how to work the crowd. Did this come about from the previous town crier or did you do your own? No, it's, it's my own and, and there is a particular challenge that won't have been evident to you while you're standing there but it's only when you're actually doing the job you realise the challenge is this 
half of the crowd are likely to be from other nations who don't have English as their first language. Uh -huh. So you have to keep your material very simple so that they can relate to it, both linguistically, and puns don't work in, in foreign languages, and also in content you can't rely on them knowing very much about English history. Right. So the challenge is to keep the material simple. Now we're in Chester. <clears throat> Some people listening maybe not know very much about Chester. Give us a little rundown of the history of this place. Well, the interesting thing about Chester is it's founded by the Romans, and the, the street is still laid out according to the Roman street patterns. We, pattern. we have four streets radiating out from the spot where we're sitting, the High Cross. So we still maintain the same street pattern, and we've still got this, the gates of the city. In fact, you'll be interested in this, Dan. This would be of particular interest to, your, to your, your viewers and listeners, is Chester is more like heaven than any other city on her, earth. This is biblical. So we don't know much about heaven from the Bible. It's not highly detailed, but it does tell us certain things. For example, is that heaven is a city surrounded by walls, exactly like Chester. It has gates that never close, exactly like Chester. It has a river running through it, exactly like Chester. And in heaven, there is someone reading from a scroll in a loud voice. <laughs> Only Chester has those combination of factors. Therefore, Chester is more like heaven than any other city on earth. That's a good plug for, for tourism, isn't it? <laughs> now, wh why would you say people should come here? I mean, if you come over from the States or from other countries, people obviously go to London and Stratford-on-Avon. Why would they stop in Chester? What would be the main attraction? Well, obviously the main attraction is our incredibly handsome, talented and humble town crier. <laughs> but apart from that, the, the great thing about Chester, it is like a living museum, a survey of architecture that you can walk through. Because we've got Roman walls and we've got an amphitheatre, but we've also got a Viking church and we've got something from every era of history, but still living, not preserved like a museum, but it's, it's functioning history. So... Are you originally from Chester? No, I'm not originally from Chester. I'm from a town called Burton-on-Trent, about 70 miles from here. So why, why did you settle here? Uh, it was, it's the way life worked out. When I was a school teacher, I got a, a teaching post here. Oh. But, but one, once here, I loved it. I thought, this is the place to stay. Now, we've mentioned before about the, the World Town Crier uh, events that you've been involved in, but you've done several overseas trips. Tell us about those. Well, they, they've not done those recently because when our, when our son came along 18 years ago, we stopped the world travel. But prior to that, we'd been to Canada twice and the USA, you know, Anacortes. We, we did a little event in Anacortes in Washington State yeah. and also been to Australia competing over there. What, what do they make of you? Well, people, people, I remember going to Anacortes actually and all the town criers arrived on the, uh, on the ferry and people, the whole, it seemed like the whole town turned out to greet us. So you always get a good reception yeah. as, a, as a town cry, and particularly when you get town cries together because it's so colourful, and all of them are very extra, extrovert and extravagant and, <laughs> uh, and loud and colourful. Yeah. People in, in America, I've noticed, seem to think that the church has died in Britain. You know, all the churches are becoming mosques, and it's all, it's all sad and everything, and yet... I've been back here now for four months, and I've found a very vibrant church. What are your thoughts about what's going on spiritually in Britain? Uh, I don't, uh, being a town crier, I don't have any, any special insights into that, but uh, yeah. I certainly know that when, when I got involved, it wasn't the, the dreary, don't do this 
church that I expected it to be yeah. and some of the some of the most exciting funny and lively and loving experiences of my life have been in church would you like to recommend to people listening to this to become a local town crier in their community uh, well, as long as they're not better looking than me, but then <laughs> statistically that is very unlikely, isn't it? Yes, yes, it's, I would definitely recommend it to anybody. It's, it's such a fun job. So how, how would they learn what to do? Is, is there a, a, a book that they could buy, or, or do they just get the uniform and then start? A book that they could buy? What a good question, Dan. I've, just got, <laughs> I've got the book coming out. It's going to be called The Word on the Street. And it's going to be out in just a few weeks' time. Well, how do people get it? Well, I think if you go onto the internet and just say the word on the street, David Mitchell, you can get it that way. <laughs> and they can go on your website as well? They can go on the website, yes. Yeah. I know your main work is here in the town square in Chester, but what are some of the more unusual gigs that you've done? Well, you never know what you're going to be asked to do next. Uh, that's the thing about it. I was, at very short notice, I was asked to uh, greet Charles... Prince Charles and Camilla, when they, when they came to Chester, have uh, been invited to, to slide off, off the top of the St. Peter's Church Tower on a zip wire for charity. <laughs> uh, I've done a horseback proclamation for, for a wedding. Uh, you might like this, actually. The Chester Mystery Plays, which is the way the gospel used to be communicated in the Middle Ages, that's been revived in Chester, or continued in Chester, and I was asked to read the bands for the Chester Mystery Plays, and the bands are the advertisements for the, for the Mystery Plays prior to them happening, so that the people of the town can know when and where they can see the Mystery Plays. And have you been an extra in any films? Uh, I've been in two films as a town crier. Yeah. I've been in uh, Mole Flanders, oh. and in 24-hour party people with Steve Coogan. <laughs> and Steve Coogan... For those of you who like British humour, he was the star of Alan, uh, Alan Partridge, who was this sort of strange media character that s seemed to always insult everybody. <laughs> were, you, were you playing yourself in both of them? Yeah, I was, I was a town, town crier in both. Although when I was in Mole Flanders, I had to be in a different period. I'm normally 18th century, and I had to uh, adopt the role of a 17th century town crier in Mole Flanders. <laughs> was that difficult? Uh, no, they just, uh, I just arrived on set, and they had an appropriate period outfit for me. Yeah, when you do these one-man shows, I, I thought you just basically became the town crier again but it's obviously very different what, what what do you do during these shows well i tell them about some of the funny encounters i've had on on, on the streets for example a lot of um, american tourists particularly were uh, seem to be a bit confused about my my dress yeah. they look at me as if they're not quite sure whether i'm a reenactment character or i've lived for a particularly long <laughs> period of time and they'll say things like uh, say you look like the kind of guy that will know pretty much everything around here could you tell my wife and i where we could get a video of the <laughs> The Great Fire of London. <laughs> and I have to be polite, but I would love to be able to say one day, oh, you must mean the one directed by Samuel Pepys. <laughs> they don't get that, obviously. Oh, no, they get, they get it in the end, yeah. <laughs> and then, and, and more seriously in the show, I talk about the fact that, as I say, Chester is living history, but I say that it's much more interested if you know the story behind the buildings. So just five minutes' walk from here, we've got uh, something that's now a chemist, Superdrug, but really in 1867, I think it was, we had Charles Dickens reading his works in that building because it was then the music hall. <laughs> that's yeah. And that's just, just one of hundreds of stories behind the buildings.
Yeah, I would love to encourage Americans to preserve their history. They don't seem to just be knocking buildings down and putting new ones up. And I look around this beautiful town of Chester, and it's just history everywhere we look. Yeah, even where you're, even where you're sitting, Dan, yeah. Charles I walked across this very square just, pr- just prior to, to his beheading, well, a few years before he, he lost his head. Yeah. Obviously, he wouldn't have done it after he lost his head. <laughs> and, and so that, that's history for you. We've had Charles I on this very spot. <laughs> We're sitting in a place where people would be... What do we call this? This, this is the stocks? This is the stocks. The yeah. stock. Tell us about them. Well, it would have been in your, if you'd have lived a bit earlier, Dan, I'm sure you'd have spent many an hour in here. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the stocks were very, was the t- in the days when punishment used to be very public and shaming was very much part of, of the punishment. Yeah. So typically, you would be put in the stocks for drunkenness. Uh-huh. And then what would people do? Well, theoretically, they might throw things at the person. Traditionally, people say rotten fruit. But I I think history was more brutal than that. I think harder things got thrown at people. But, I mean, the main thing is you'll be there up to 24 hours, so that would be a salutary lesson. Yeah. Do you you have any plans, uh, you know, to continue this, to travel or whatever? Well, now that my son is a little older, we would, lo- we would love to travel. We'd love to go and talk about being a town crier in, in the States and in Canada. Yeah, yeah, we'd like to do some more traveling. Tell me maybe the funniest thing that's ever happened to you when you've been doing this proclamation. So, here in Chester, we ha- one of our claims to fame is having the most continuous city walls in the country, and you can walk all the way around them. So, I was on the walls one day, and an American couple came up to me, and they... they the lady said, uh, say, I understand that you can walk all the way around the city here in Chester on top of the walls. Is that right? I said, that's right, madam. So let me see if I'm understanding this correctly. You're saying we can get on the walls at one point. We can walk all the way around the city on top of the walls and then get off the walls again at the same point we got on at. Is that right? I said, that's right, madam. So tell me, how far would it be to do that complete circuit of your city? I said, two miles, madam. And then she turned to her husband and said, you know, Elmer, we should do that. Tell the folks back home we've been all the way around the city on top of the walls, okay? And then back to me. Two miles, you say? That's right, madam. So, tell me, which will be the shortest direction to go in? (laughs) That'd be very difficult, eh? Do you think you could have ever lived in the old days? I mean, I know you're you're sort of reenacting it, but with all the illness and the lack of medical help and all that stuff. Yeah, you're going straight to the important points. No, I didn't. I would not want to live in those days. I want to live in the days when we've got uh, anesthetics, <laughs> deodorants, showers, <laughs> and, uh, and Bob Dylan. <laughs> so, no, I'm very happy to be living in my time. If Bob Dylan is listening to this, would you like him to write a song about a town crier? I, I think he's already done it. Has he? Yeah, ring them bells. <laughs> he is a bit of a town crier himself, isn't he, really? Yeah, he's, he's great. I hope he'll come and see my midday proclamation one day. Yeah. So, Bob, if you are listening to this, I hope you will come. And uh, maybe you'll get put in the stocks, I'm not sure. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> because you had like a Bob Dylan impersonator just before you did your proclamation singing here. Phil Blundell. Yes, he's, he's very good. Yes. <laughs> Finally, what would you like to say to people listening to this about basically their lives, how they can... I mean, you found 
your call in life, which is here. What would you like to say to maybe a young person listening to this who's searching what they can do? Is there anything you could advise? Well, I, would, I can only speak from my own experience. The, the search is well worth pursuing. And it, it'll take you in places you never dreamed that you would go. But it's good. And the great thing about it, it doesn't stop at the end of your life. And do you regret giving up teaching to do this? No, not for a moment. This is, this is uh, varied. It's no, nowhere near as tiring. And I, th I see it as a career progression, really, Dan, because I, yeah. I used to shout at children, and now I shout at everybody. <laughs> so if you'd like to know more about the town crier of Chester, England, um, Cheshire is the, is the county here. You've got a website. Tell us about the website, what, what the uh, URL is, and what people will see there. It's called uh, ChesterTownCriers.com. Crier spelt C-R-I-E-R-S, because interestingly, historically, it used to be with a Y, but now it's with an I. And you can find out quite a little bit about the town cry there. And, of course, you want to find most, buy the book. I'd like to thank David, the town crier here of Chester, for talking with me. David, thank you so much. Thank you, Dan. May God bless you. May God save the Queen. You have been listening to Front Page Radio with international journalist Dan Wooding. If you would like a free subscription to the Assist News service, log on to www.assistnews.net. And if you would like to write to Dan, send an email to assistnews at aol.com. Tune in again for another edition of Front Page Radio on this same station.